0: We <laughs> did pretty well with the noise, I think. Hello.
1: Hello, Marilyn. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. good. You must think I'm really dim. Not ever. That is never a thought that has occurred to me in my whole life.
0: Um, I've been updating yeah, yeah, that app I talk about a lot, that Brett Terpstra app, a uh, Bunch. I've been uh, really trying to trick that out, doing stuff like can automatically change my audio inputs and outputs, like... And one of the things I added was automatically turn on Do Not Disturb. Yeah, I do it. On my Mac. Yeah. But, but, you know, what happens when you do that is you don't get a bloop <laughs> when Dan is calling. Me oh, on you Skype. don't
1: even get notified about anything. So
0: you think I uh, probably think I'm, as they say, uh, ghosting you.
1: And I, I mean, wasn't. I wasn't ghosting you. No, I don't feel like you're No a ghost. ghost. No ghost. How are you? I'm okay. I'm good. How is everything uh, up there, way up there? Oh, my
0: neck of the woods? Everything's, I'm feeling good. Strong like bull. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, really, really, really good. Um, I, uh, I've rediscovered Ice T, and that's changed my game.
1: Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, the work that he did going back into the like '80s and '90s is is mm-hmm. really good. I don't know really much of what he's done since then, but it's a shame that people
0: mostly seem to well, people of a certain age remember him from that cop killer song, which is which is a, a shame. Yeah, because he's done he's done so much more. You know, as John Mulaney has covered. Even though he works on a team uh, that, that uh, on Law and Order, he works on a team that exclusively deals with sex crimes. He seems very shocked by everything he discovers.
1: <laughs> what have you, uh, what, uh, what reintroduced you to his body of work?
0: Um, bits have left the room. Uh, I've discovered the drink, iced tea. Oh, iced tea. I said, I said tea. I said tea. Oh. Yeah because, yeah, you know I got this freezer now at my office. That means I can have ice, and uh, I mainly use it to store food because f- we don't have a large freezer at home. Um, but that also means once a week I order some uh, some bagged ice. Mm. So now I got ice. I can have I can have chilled drinks, and I can make iced tea, which mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm. to make, and it's a um, it's a it's a it's a lovely drink. A little bit of lime juice in it is, is my jam. Yeah. And then uh, you know you can sip on that, and you get a nice maintenance dose of caffeine without feeling overwhelmed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And isn't that kind of what we really want in life? Not to feel overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> yes. Isn't that it? <laughs> yeah. Now that's that's the main goal. I think it's um, you always have a little something that you do that is. A little bit different most people would do lemon and you do lime mm-hmm. it's always you've got to have something just that's just a little different that you do that did you, think, twist you it. think
0: that hmm okay is that do you think that's my issues with authority mm-hmm. uh-huh. yes i do yeah you know i love a project <laughs> I, I always say this to john syracuse i love a project yeah right now act is one of my projects is it mm-hmm. yeah it's nice It's nice, and I got a pitcher, you know, and I got tea, and I got a nice jar to keep the bags in. What's the the pitcher of? uh, Oh, my God. What is happening? This is going, completely (laughs) falling apart. Uh, It's a picture (laughs) of the uh, wrapper rice tea. Okay. Um, (laughs) I can't help it. And so what you can do is, the the Lipton family sells this product, which is, I think they call it a family size bag, (laughs) and you, you... Mm. And so what you do is you pour some boiling water I, I, I don't do a full gallon necessarily I'm not a monster no but I'll pour some boiling water uh, over two of the family bags and then I'll um you know let that, that sit a little bit and then you cover you so much ice you put so much ice in that dilutes the very strong tea right dilute dilute and now <laughs> you've got you've got a, a, a tasty treat yeah it's economical delicious mm-hmm and it provides a maintenance of dose of caffeine mm-hmm. without feeling <laughs> overwhelmed. And really, isn't that what it's all about? Dan is not feeling overwhelmed. That seems say?
1: to be a thing that people. Yeah.
0: Um, I unintentionally, you know, I, I like to I like to prepare a little bit, mm. and um, I unintentionally arrived at what I'm going to call a uh, an advice themed episode of the show. Okay. Because I have advice. And I want advice.
1: You have advice it, tea. and you want it. You advice can, <laughs> advice you can... to
0: tea? That's not. That's not a thing. No. Yeah, but that, that's what I was thinking. Do, 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 what's What's going on in your neck of the woods? You got anything uh, coming off your mind, grapes? Right now?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I'm I'm down for what you know. You sent me some some links and some things mm-hmm. to to listen to and explore, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and and then you, you down the clown. A, advice and other things like that so i I will admit i didn't finish the homework but no no
0: no no. well the first segment that we're going to talk about the first segment is the one i want to mainly focus on okay
1: i'm
0: also looking at an amazing an amazing article in uh it doesn't matter it's a local like real estate site um which is fun to look at for just the pure schadenfreude of uh all these other home values and rents dropping in san francisco I, I have not vetted this, but I, this is such a, I'll put this in notes. Um, this is such a shocking article. Um, you know, San Francisco has, it's a kind of a costly town for living mm-hmm. and for working and all of the things. And as we all know, uh, before, you know, the, the pandemic came along, you know, San Francisco is a black swan in some ways because there's always going to be, it's a funny combination of there's always going to be a demand for living in San Francisco well, historically, and there's also very likely to be a relatively unmetered amount of money available to cause that to happen. Mm-hmm. So the houses are expensive to buy. The rentals are, are costly to rent and very much like office space, you know, in like a central part of town, especially it's just you know crazy high. But, of course, now, as we've talked about and as I'm sure many of you have read about, like, you know, uh, I don't know if you know, a lot of people are working from home these days. A lot of the big tech companies are saying, you know what? Really, all the companies, like you know, my wife's uh, university that she works at, are all saying, like, hey, you know what? You're good. Work from home, maybe forever. I think <laughs> a couple of companies have said you can work from home forever. And so the demand has gone way down. This is an article from Socket site that I will put in notes called Visualizing, The vacant office space in San Francisco, and all you really need to know for this is that there's a horrible, ugly, terrible building. Um, uh, What's that? uh, What's that? uh, We we hate software company. Um, Twitter. uh, Yeah, Salesforce. Oh, built this one of those. uh, They built the Salesforce Tower, and it's this giant, giant building that I find not very attractive. But I think it's the tallest building in San Francisco. Um, and so, visualizing the vacant office space in San Francisco, uh, as we noted last week, there is nearly 12 million square feet of vacant office space now spread across San Francisco. Now that you're hear, you hear talking the Bay Area, you know, yeah. But this is in, in San Francisco, in the approximately seven mile by seven mile area that we call San Francisco. 12 million square feet. And so, I have I've have not vetted this, but they've done a visualization. How much office space is currently open in San Francisco expressed as Salesforce Towers? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Over eight and a half Salesforce towers are currently available in San Francisco.
1: Wow.
0: Tallest building in San Francisco. Eight over eight and a half of those are the equivalent of basically how much office space is available.
1: Isn't that nuts? That is that is really crazy. That's such a hard I to mean, imagine because there's a lot of cities that don't even have that uh, much office space combined. Like they're total in, there in the entire city. Well, you have city. to consider, I mean, like,
0: obviously, there's a lot about this, this town that's pretty wild and, and different. It's unusual. But, you know, uh, th- we don't even have that, that, that many giant buildings. Um, I mean, it's not like Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And it is a fairly small footprint. And we're mostly talking about, I mean, I, I think we're mostly talking about the downtown area which is like, you know, a a quarter of the size of the actual city. So I don't know. That's just, that's such a, so much has changed so fast. It makes you think about how tenuous all of our, uh, all the expectations we have, all the like assumptions that we make. It's just, it's just so disruptive. And I think that kind of gets to uh, uh, some nominal advice related topic things. Okay, let's hear it. Let's do it. Um, I have some odds and sods first. Um... This is a weird one to open with, but I discovered this thing last night. You know, there's a lot of things where people go and they and they do performances, often with groups of people. But they do these online Zoom-based sort of things. A lot of these are are really terrific. Um, you know, there's a bunch out there you can find on YouTube. I discovered one last night. This is a. I, I tried to get some do some research on who these people are, but uh, all of their stuff seems to be on Facebook, which is a goddamn shame. But as far as I can tell, this is an English operation called uh the south sea alternative choir and it's these these men who um do uh singing mostly for for charity but they'll do like a a really cool cover and sometimes they um bring in the artists that they're covering to participate Mm -hmm. the the, my way in on this is i discovered a wonderful cover of uh the band love arthur lee's love great cover of alone again or that features a few members of uh, love. But this one just, I watched this like five times last night. If you need something to make you feel kind of good today, and you do, mm-hmm. um, this is in notes. Uh, it's uh, Nick Lowe alongside the South Sea Alternative Choir. And they're doing his song, What's So Funny About uh, Peace, Love, and Understanding. With Nick Lowe playing guitar, his very cute son playing drums, and uh, these guys singing. And uh, I don't know, these, uh, music's so good, Dan. It's, it's, it's such a, such an unguent for the soul. Mm. You know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: A poultice, an, a, an application.
1: <clears throat> You're back on the, the poultice thing
0: again? It's a it's a plaster for the soul. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like Vic's VapoRub for your soul. Oh, yeah, of course. Fragrant. Nick Lowe. Um, so that's a song that I think he used to do with his old band brinsley schwartz that then he also has done but also i think maybe very famously done by elvis costello those guys were all mopped up together as you know yeah that's one piece of advice is um you know seek seek on uh, like music to, to get us through these troubled times
1: mm-hmm. sure
0: mm-hmm. what's so funny about peace love and understanding you know what i'm saying nothing funny about it okay page two <laughs> Um, I discovered this via somebody, via Kotki, via Twitter. I f- don't know. I forget exactly where it came to me, but I think it's Kotke that bubbled this up. Um, it's a typeface, or as you say, a font. A font. Put out, a, f- a font. Font. Put out by the Braille
1: Institute. Oh yes, this.
0: Yes. And this is a, f- uh, a typeface where as you say, a font. Font. Called Atkinson Hyperlegible. And like so, for example, if you've ever been on a Kindle, you know there's a really interesting uh, font or typeface, as you say, where uh, for people with dyslexia, where it really clarifies the different, what do I say, glyphs or whatever the different letter forms, right? So for people with dyslexia, this is for people with uh, with sight issues, and um, it's a free font that you can download that is extremely legible, and you'll see on there on the web page for this. They show some demonstrations. Each letter form uh, is, is sort of slightly, I guess you would say maybe exaggerated in such a way that it disambiguates the different letters. We get this with the, some of those uh, developer typefaces we love. We get a slash on your zero and whatnot, stuff to make it really clear exactly what you're looking at. One password does a really nice job with this. Um, I mention this in part because I, I'm, I, first of all, there's always two things with me. I, I could be way better about this stuff. I don't, I don't write descriptions for tw- things like photos I post on Twitter because, forgive my saying, the visual is the bit. Mm. Like my, my little joke the other day about uh, David Fincher's movie 7 and discovering Mitch McConnell. You know, like I, how am I going to describe that without killing the bit? Yeah, can, I, I, yeah, I don't know, but I know I could be better about that. So this is cool. I'm glad people are, are doing things like this. But the you know, second thing... Um, selfishly, it just looks really cool. Did
1: you look at this thing? Yes, I did.
0: Um, I love the demonstration where they show, okay, here's, here's the letters and numbers, and then uh-huh. they super blur it out so you can see how much easier it is to read for somebody who has vision problems. Um, I downloaded this uh, uh, for my own uses and um, installed it in some places, mm-hmm. and uh, they, have a free, they have a free print version, they have a free web version, which is super cool. Um, licensing that stuff can be real expensive. I just wanted to point y'all to this because, you know, I'm glad this exists as a thing to help people who need it, but it's also just really beautiful. So I've made this my font, or as you say, typeface, that I use in stuff like Marked. Um, I'm, I'm putting it in lots of places where I can CSS my way uh, through things. And I wa-
1: wanted to recommend it. Isn't it kind of pretty? It is, it is. And I, I debated... No, so be honest, be honest. What do you, What's your thought on no, it? No, it is. And I think it, it's not... like it's close enough to being pretty that people won't mind using it, especially knowing how much it would help other people who need it. And so I feel like I I just
0: really like the way it looks because for something that's this practical and, you know, designed for a specific uh, non-aesthetic reason, I think it's really cool looking and and it really does pop, you know, if so again, Brett Terpster product marked, which is what I use to preview uh, what my markdown files look like and, do lots of stuff to it. Yeah, I should put that in notes. Put too. it in there. Um, uh, Mark is Mark is a really good app, and it, it's gotten way. It's gotten even better over time. It has built-in tools where, like, for example, if you're trying to minimize your use of adverbs, you want to watch out for duplicated words. I'm one of those weirdos who tries not to repeat non-small words. You know, I try to figure out how to uniquify it a little bit. Um, I'll put that in notes. Dan, where would people find show notes um, for uh, episode? Five zero one of your back to work program?
1: Yes, it would be a back to work dot limo slash five oh what'd you say it was? I think it's five zero one. Five oh one? Okay. Five one. Mm-hmm. Like like the pants. Or
0: as you say trousers. The jeans, the jeans. The
1: jeans. In the jean pool. Like the, a they jeans. say when
0: they say pants in England, they're talking about your underpants. Really? So when we say pants, they think that's really funny.
1: And then they have that word knickers, which I don't approve of
0: hate the word knickers, um, and also you got to be careful with the word fanny because it means something different there also nonce nonce is a wonderful word nonce is a little bit like a black swan it's a you know a, a one off like a, a nonce but nonce over there means uh, as they say pedo so
1: but that has a different meaning there
0: yes if you say you, you strapped a, a fanny pack um, on your nonce <laughs> that's going <laughs> to that's going to raise some knickers, yeah is is my thought I have more things. Um, do you want to talk about uh, something you like?
1: Sure, I'd love to tell you about Linode if you're down to listen.
0: Oh God, are you kidding me? Linode, you know their plans start. Well, I want to say like five dollars a month.
1: Yeah, you can get uh, you can get an, an entry level server. So that's what Linode is all about. They uh, they provide virtual machines, and for people like me who started, you're in, a virtual in, machine. In, you are a virtual <laughs> person, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but. Back in the old days, we used to have to have physical servers. So if if you wanted to launch your new product or service or build a website or whatever, and you wanted full control over everything that you do, maybe there are software applications or packages or things that you need to install or just things that you want to work a certain way or a game server that you want to run or whatever it is, a web server uh, or an entire infrastructure like I do with Fireside and 5x5, which are both hosted on Linode and have been for a long time. You would have to have gone and worked with people in a data center and bought or rented expensive hardware and then hired someone or done it yourself to, to maintain this thing. And that's that's a nightmare scenario. We've come a long way since then. We have what are known as virtual virtual private servers or VPSs, and, uh, and now we generally call them virtual machines because you now have really, really amazing, very, very powerful Uh, servers on the back end that are then split up into these virtual servers so that you get full control over the system to do whatever you want. And uh, and like Merlin said, this starts at only five bucks a month in many cases. And this is how we've simplified our entire infrastructure. It exists now in the cloud and it makes it so easy to grow and to scale and to adapt. Uh, So if all of a sudden I got a huge influx of customers, I could spin up a half dozen new machines just by clicking a few buttons. It's really, really amazing. Uh, it's got everything that you would want behind the scenes, That whether it's backup uh, or, or, you know, like virtual private networking so that the machines talk to each other behind the scenes without ever going over the public internet. I mean, you name it, they've thought of it. They've got uh, 24-7 human support. They're ready to help you. They will respond to your specific questions. They don't hand you off to different tiers. It's great. And they've got 11 data centers around the globe so that you can pick servers that are either close to you or close to your clients or both. It's just genius, and they've got it, and they make it all easy to do. Uh, They're giving our listeners, Merlin, $100 in Linode credit. Which, That's so
0: much Linode credit.
1: It's a lot. And if you think about the fact that they have, uh, like you said, about 5 to $10 starting servers, that could mean a lot of servers for you or one server for a very long time. So go take them up on this awesome offer. It's at Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash back to work. Click on create free account and you will get started that way. And then you can use that $100 of credit however you want. And uh, it's pretty cool. And they also have a whole bunch of new videos out, tutorials, security tips, and more at youtube.com slash Linode. But uh, the place to go is linode.com slash back to work to get your hundred bucks in credit. So thanks very much to Linode for making this show possible.
0: Thanks, Linode. Bok, bok. Oop.
1: Nope. What happened?
0: (sighs) Sometimes it's a little out of reach. I like to keep my area clear. Your area? Yeah, like a Scientologist. I I like to keep clear... So that, like, I can, I can, I can move, you see my hands moving here? Imagine me with my hands up a few inches above my desk and my palms down, and then making kind of a circular motion, like I'm trying to massage something that's not there. Uh-huh. It's like a mime massage. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean the content type. <sighs> Wait, when did we start doing all these pun things? What is,
1: what? Would you just call yourself a pundit?
0: <sighs> um.
1: Is Merlin there? Hello? Legible.
0: Hello, uh, is the caller there? The um, uh, uh, great thing I saw today in the uh, Washington Post uh, website, um, and I wanted to share this with people because I think this is good advice. Uh, the headline is "Pandemic Depression is about to collide with seasonal depression." Make a plan, experts say. Now, I mean, like you know, like a lot, like a lot of advicey things. I mean, some of this stuff will seem obvious perhaps but perhaps I think this is stuff that needs to get out there that we need to share with each other and it's funny we were talking about uh, you know essentially accessibility mm-hmm. a few minutes ago that the uh, that hyperlegible font is meant to be something that is uh, basically an accessibility feature you think about all the amazing stuff on your phone that is essentially an accessibility feature mm-hmm. but as, as I like to say uh, ex- accessibility helps everyone and harms no one and it can, it can make your life better. What, why am I saying that here? Because it's like, you know, being finding out that you're very ill and have a heart condition when you're my age um, and need to, like, basically rethink your life is, is difficult because you've lived another way your whole life. So uh, you know, it's as I like to say with my, my pseudo Buddhist BS. Uh, every every drinking glass is only <laughs> temporarily unbroken. Uh-huh. <laughs> Eventually, everything will break. The center cannot hold. If you know what I'm saying. Yes. So I mean, getting in, even
1: if you're not depressed right now, why don't you start acting like you will be? Yeah. Get depressed. What's wrong with you? Everyone should be yes. equally horribly depressed well,
0: right now. Well, you know, it's that's kind of what the what the man wants you to think, but. I mean, if obviously if you're <laughs> you mean, somebody, do you mean
1: John Roderick? the man? I'm, I don't know what what that meant. What what are you doing differently there? I have what's, some what's, decaf what's tea. I don't know what's going on here. Have you been working bad? your
0: flight? Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I don't so, know. So, per- I
1: don't know. Hmm.
0: You, okay. So so the the reason I like this is that it's it's got some uh, some good context for what we're talking about here, which is you know, I, I'm not a, a depression expert, you know, uh, you know I, I'm not just uh, the president, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a depressed user. <laughs> and so, so I know where I speak a little bit. There's the sort of like, you know, sort of various levels of pipes and wires style depression. There's situational depression, you know, and, and like right now, a lot of us have been, we, we've been suffering under this state, this condition that we're, we're in for quite a while now, um, as we'll talk about, I think, in our next segment, I think the president likes to say that we're rounding the corner. Well, I think what we're rounding the corner on is the ability the ability to even. Because right now, we can't even. I think everybody's just so burnt out. I do feel like there has been, I mean, I mean kind of for me, but I really feel this in the zeitgeist right now, is that people are... are even setting aside the money stuff, and you can never set aside the money stuff. But, but you know, I, I do think that the anxiety, the sadness, the relentlessness of what we've been going through with the pandemic and the political times, it's just, it's just unending. We'll very much talk about this in the next segment. Mm-hmm. But you take that and then you combine that with the sort of, you know, the, the seasonal depression stuff that a lot of people have. And I think it's smart to, as this article says, have a plan. I'm not saying anything new or unique here, but, like, you need to read this article. and You need to think about this because it's like, like the heart-sick man in his 50s. Uh, it would have been better to start earlier. You know, um, <laughs> Syracuse and I talked about the uh, Facebook thing recently on a Reconcilable Differences episode. Mm. We're talking about, like, you know, what would you do? They're always saying, like, Facebook says, oh, yeah, like, what do you want us to do? Like, this is how things are. What do you want us to do? And my thought is, you know what? what? You know what I want you to do is to have never let it get this bad. It's not my job as the person problematizing your goddamn company. It's not my job to fix it. It was your job to not let it break. Right. But you did because you wanted to move fast. So that's, that's the problem. Well, well let's, 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 let's think about our lives in that way. Let's take it seriously. Let's, let's act, act like it's the life we've got and let's start <laughs> taking care of ourselves. Right. And so there's some specific tips here that you can find. This is this is all, you know, pretty pretty, you know, high level stuff in the in the stack, but um, suggestions like um, finding the things that help you, knowing what triggers depression for you. Uh, suggestion to get a light box or a SAD, it's a oh, an yeah. effective disorder lamp. I have one of those. I know a lot of people um, that
1: are using those with really really great results and that can really make a difference for people. Um,
0: I I can't tell whether or how much it helps, but
1: is it hurting? I think a, it's uh huh. Is it hurting? You know, that's the other thing. It's not hurting you to have it to try it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, like in medicine, there's a lot of courses you can take where you're like, "Well, oh boy, you don't need to get this right in one try. Try all the things that won't harm, <laughs> and just keep trying things till you fix it." Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do use that. I, I uh, as you say, I do know a lot of people that. But that's huge for them. Yeah. Um, figure out a way to stay connected, etc. cetera. Um, I mean, again, this is all, I, I, I just, I want y'all to take care of yourselves. I, I, don't, I don't want you to let it get worse. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something we're going to be facing. I don't think things are going to be great for a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get in front of, or at least try to start catching up with that, um, uh, by dealing. How do you feel about that?
1: No, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a long time before, Things are back to what we would call normal. And so anything that we can do right now in this space that we have that we're kind of all forced into and trapped into to address those things. And also, I think there are a lot of people who this is new to. You know, in a sense of like, mm-hmm. I know that you've been dealing with, um, you know, ADD for a long time. And I've been dealing with, you know, anxiety, OCD for a long time. And maybe yeah. maybe for us, they're the same. Maybe they're worse. But I think there are a lot of people who, who are, for the first time, starting to experience this stuff because this is the first time that they've been alone this much or without mm-hmm. – because we forget how important – you know, I'll use the word distraction. B- distraction has a negative connotation or it Im- it somehow distraction implies that we're not doing what we should be doing by focusing on a thing. And I don't mean it in that context. And I don't mean no, it in that no, no. way. But there is a...
0: Another, another way might be a, a a diversion.
1: A diversion is a probably like you, a better do you, word. Do you,
0: really feel like, do you really feel like you're helping yourself and the world by being totally subsumed in things that m- make you feel worse? Right, I think that's an anti-pattern in contemporary life that we we should address. Is that like th- there are very much times where like I think we're meant to believe that we can't be. There's so many layers of bad to this title. Um, <laughs> where we're not we're not being a responsible citizen in, unless we are always as sad as the saddest person. As long as as long as we're why would we allow ourselves to be anything but beaten down, dragged down all the time.
1: Right, right. I
0: I don't think, I mean, if that works for you, great. But like the the, the point there, and I, I don't want to be unkind about it, is that there is this whole, this phalanx of emotional police out there that are are constantly there to remind you that you know someone else has it worse and you, you know you uh, right. and and you're not if you're not you know if you're not participating in the ugliest of the discourse well then you're not really being a good soldier and so like there's always somebody there to tell you that you're sad
1: wrong or there's always someone there to <laughs> tell so you you're so right you're so right oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and as i you know used to like to say and i still like to say i mean you will never change quickly enough to satisfy strangers who think you should be someone else. right? And, and maybe a smarter approach there is to say that maybe your job should not be to be entirely open to strangers telling you who you need to be. But the problem is we've really locked our keys in the car in some ways. We're like, if you, if you, if you find yourself over time being conditioned to believe that other people's conception of how you're living your life should be the map well then that map becomes the territory and now you can't undo that you can't unthink that you can't unfeel that and i just don't think it's and i'm i'm tempted to not even talk about this because i'm going to sound like oh boy i'm really counter revolutionary now if i'm telling people that they shouldn't be incredibly depressed all the time well, well how is how is that helping how how is the extreme pessimism helping mm-hmm. you know and i think nobody is sadder than Few people are sadder than a disappointed romantic. So if you've, if you've believed, if you've had hope, if you've had optimism in life and it's dashed again and again and again, you don't want to feel that a bit again. You, don't, you, don't, you want to avoid the things that generate that pain. And so you're trying to create a kind of comfort for yourself by deepening that level of sadness as though that's going to protect you or help you in the world. And again, if, if that's your thing, cool a little bit goth for an adult, but fine, if that's your thing, but I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna and I'm not trying to say, ignore how horrible everything is. What I'm, what I'm saying is like you, you do need a diversion and you, you do need a way to self soothe. And, um, we should probably get to the, to the next segment, but I just want to say, give yourself a break. If, if there's a theme of this show, apart from pound sign productivity, I think that's one of them is let, you know, let's give ourselves so much more of a break. Um, so yeah, take care of yourself. That's what I'm saying.
1: Give yourself a break.
0: Give yourself a break. Um, do you want to tell me uh, a second thing that you like?
1: Yeah, actually, I would. Uh, I would enjoy telling you about feels. Another thing. All that the feels. We talk about getting taking a break. It's a perfect. It's the perfect thing to support that. I know so many people right now that, you know, it, it's it's really interesting because people have have kind of come to me who listen to this show or, or perhaps to Roadwork, and and both of them, you and I have uh, here have explored things like anxiety and OCD and ADD, like we were just talking about. And I think as people start to deal with this, there's so much anxiety right now. I mean, if, if all we had to deal with was the COVID stuff that would create a lot of anxiety for people, I think, but it's not just that it's everything like, going on in, in, in the social world right now. It's everything going on in, in the big cities. It's everything going on with the election. Everything is happening and it's all happening like right now. And it's a lot. It's a lot for everybody. It is not weird to be experiencing anxiety or stress or having trouble sleeping. I don't know anybody. That, weren't we talking about this last week? I don't know anybody that's sleeping normally right now. I don't not, nobody. Oh yeah. Too much, too little. Too late. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, but you're totally right. And what can you do about that? Most people don't want to go and take some kind of, you know, pharmaceutical medicine because there can be issues, side effects, whatever with that. Um, there are a lot of people who want to try something that's natural. There are people like me who would prefer the natural solution in every situation. And that's what CBD is. It's, it's a natural uh, substance that can help you And the best CBD that I've tried is Feels. Uh, I've tried a lot of them. And what I love about Feels is it is all natural. They do third-party testing so that you know what you're going to get. You know the strength of of what you're going to get. And Feels naturally helps you reduce stress, anxiety, and pain. Uh and and I mean like I use this after workout as well. It's not just for sleep or just for anxiety. And depending on the strength and how much you take, which you can experiment with and, and find out what's right for you, you're going to get a different level of effect. All you do is place a few drops under your tongue. You're gonna to feel the difference in just a few minutes. But finding the right dose really is important. So you wanna have room to experiment, take a week or so and determine You know what kind of effects, but the nice thing is, it's not addictive. You don't get high from it because it doesn't have any THC in it. It's just CBD, and that means that it's uh, it's not going to get you high. It's just going to help you feel less stress. It's like you with less stress. It doesn't necessarily make you feel like a different person. It just helps take that edge off the stress or the anxiety. In many cases, it's enough for you to get back to work or go to sleep or feel better after your workout. And it's all natural. Uh, And this is the cool part of it. And the part that I appreciate the most, I'm always a little leery about signing up for something where they're going to deliver something to you on a schedule. But I'll tell you what, once I started using CBD, I there were a number of times where I would run out or I would get close enough that I would say, oh, man, I, I've got to order some more. And then by the time it would get there, I have spent half a week or a week without it. I don't like that, and this is something that I use on a regular basis, and I think you know our listeners, Merlin, will probably want to use it on a regular basis, too, and that's why I really appreciate their membership. What's cool about it is you'll save money on every order, but you can pause or cancel it at any time, and that's a really nice thing. You're in full control. Our listeners are going to get 50% off their first order with free shipping, and they can go there and become a member. And that 50% is automatically taken off the first order with free shipping. Where do they go, Merlin? Feels.com slash back to work. And that's spelled Mm -hmm. F-E-A-L-S. Feels.com slash back to work. Go there. Get your 50% off and uh, support us in the process and help yourself. Thanks very much to Feels for making the show possible.
0: Thanks, Feels. Buck, buck. There's no eye in Feels. (laughs) Hmm? there's a um, radio show, a public radio show that I've been listening to, mm, not regularly, but fairly often for years called To the Best of Our Knowledge. I think it's Wisconsin Public Radio. And I, I really like this show. I've always liked the show. It's, it's very thoughtful. It's mm, gentle is the wrong word, but it's, it's, it's what has always made public radio interesting to me, which is we're going we're gonna to turn down the temperature a little bit, do some longer form stuff. And, uh, and to the best of our knowledge, I think does that very well. There's these. Uh, the, something I learned recently. The two people who do it are, are married. I did not know that. Hmm. And, um, and so basically it's this show where they take a theme each week. I, I think it used to be like a two hours a week, two shows of one hour each. But I still find it a very thoughtful show. I, I like their style. I like their approach. And, you know, perhaps somewhat like something like This American Life, they go in and they talk to people, usually like four people in an hour doing a, uh, an interview about um, some relevant thing. This one popped up in my podcast feed over the weekend. The episode is called Everything is Exhausting. Yes. <laughs> and I've been talking a, a fair amount about, about this on Twitter the last couple of days because I, I, I really think people should listen to this episode. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that episode, especially one segment of that episode today. Uh, so everything is exhausting. Um, why don't we all just take take a moment to acknowledge that we are collectively exhausted. The pandemic, the protests, the president's Twitter feed, everything is exhausting. But maybe it doesn't have to be. Now, um, as, as with so many things that come, come over the transom that I end up really finding interesting. Um, I mean, nice things are nice. I like what I like. But I also, it's so gratifying when you run into something where something is articulated, uh, something that you've been thinking or feeling, and 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 that the thought or that feeling is articulated um, so well. And obviously, you and I here, Roderick and I, I mean, all the great shows. Uh, <laughs> this has obviously been a theme since I don't know February or March. Is um, just the overwhelming nature of what we're feeling with the pandemic, pandemic in particular, and. To quote, uh, what's his name, Mugatu in uh, Zoolander? You know, I feel like I'm taking <laughs> crazy pills. Wh- wh- when you say, when you say, like, oh yeah, this, the, if you j- just um, what you said earlier, like, you know, just if we just had the COVID thing on its own, right? Boy, that would sure suck. But it's also the even if you don't consider yourself a political person. And I think we're, we're really about to run out of gas on the idea that there's anything political about thinking this is terrible. Yeah. Please wear a mask. Please vote. But um, it's not. I mean, it's it's. there's no both sides to this. this. This really super sucks. And the crazy pills part is that you see how horrible this is. You see it won't go away. And in my case, my crazy pills uh, come from, is it not obvious yet that we're not ready to do things like reopen I and mean, yeah it's regional yeah yeah kids in school yes 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 I understand I, I know we need to ease into that but every time we stick our head out of that little gopher hole you know you got to reset it just over and over and over again you know the universities really want that tuition so they they bring in these you know children large children basically and then say oh but you can't spend time with each other you know, so there's this theme. I'm sorry, I'm getting all the anger out before I get to this. No, it's good. But like you know, it's a theme um, that we hear over and over again. This is something that uh, um, uh, the vice president, as the head of the COVID task force, has really been signaling for months. When 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 you say things like when he's interviewed, like on 60 Minutes, and boy was that 60 60 Minutes interesting. He said, well, like what you know, what do you think we should do about this? Wear a mask? Should there be a mask mandate? And he he he, you know, does his his gentle you know, uh, Uncle GI Joe thing of like, <laughs> oh well, you know, it's it's really important to listen to your local authorities and blah blah blah. Okay, well, here's the theme of this and so many other things is there's nothing institutionally wrong with anything in America. We always blame it on the individual. It's always the individual because you 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 say, well, like, oh, the president's, you know, not going to take this seriously, pass it on to to the next level, down like a governor. Governors are like, oh boy, I don't know, hot potato, hot potato. Better pass that on to the to the mayors and the you know Meisterburgers, but like, and then he passed that on to the school boards, and pretty soon it's just the kids are human shields because the economy's got to run, and so that leaves it on us, whether we like it or not. It's always falling back on us to be the ones to take care of this because all these institutions are failing, not least because those institutions believe that there's nothing that can be done and they're doing a great job. So these um you know there's a few segments here. So some of these I'll skip I'm gonna skip all of these but one because I want to focus on one. Um which is the opening segment uh is the one that I really want to focus on. But but what what would you get to in this is, this is talking to various folks about like in, in this one case, um who is this? Emma Sapala her segment is called Setting Too High a Bar for Success is Running Us Ragged. Um, and later on, further down, Why Swedes are Trading Jobs for Meaning? Have you considered doing nothing? Um, by the way, a great book by uh, Jenny O'Dell, uh, How to, I think it's called How to Do Nothing, which is much more um, uh, politically... Uh, stimulating than you might expect. It's mm. not just about, oh, let, why don't we all be lazy? No, it's the idea that, like, God love capitalism, but boy, there's so much stuff where the the impl- in a bunch of these segments and in life, there's so many things where the implicit message is that other people are succeeding and you're not because you're lazy and you're dumb. And I think that is a a very hegemonic message, whether it's intended to or otherwise, you know, I don't want to sound like a nut or a radical, but I do believe that there is a lot of messaging in our culture that we're not doing enough. If you're, if you're not, quote unquote, busy, if you're not over busy, if you're not stressed out, you're not doing it right, you're not a serious person, you're not serious about your career, you're not serious about your life. And at every turn, we're being made to feel guilty about all of these things. And even in my former racket and productivity, they address this in some of these segments, um, even in what you could call personal or business productivity, the constant message is like, oh, so, so this, these are all these things that will help you become more productive. Well, productive at what? I mean, are you getting you're getting more efficient so you can earn more like, <laughs> you know, for your uh, for your employer? Like, w- what about the kind of productivity that could help us um, do better work rather than more work? Or would, would it give us the space that we need to grow as a person rather than just as some kind of work bot? So I, I do commend you to listen to this whole episode. I think it's very good. It's an hour long. The segment I want to focus on um, is the first segment called Can We Not? How the pandemic has made burnout worse than ever. And this is uh, an interview with a woman I know from my political Twitter list called Anne Helen Peterson. And she uh, she's a little bit you know in my former racket. She writes about burnout, overwork, but particularly in the context of being a millennial. And I think she makes a really a really good case for how it is it is different for different generations. So whether we like that term or not, these are folks who came out of high school or college right into the collapse. You know what we now call millennials. Well, you know they 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 have they've never been an adult in an up economy really. Because by the time they came, came out of school, they were already realizing that they would have to have one, two, three jobs, all these different things. Nobody has a career anymore. Nobody, you know, very few people who are 28 have a career right now. Mm-hmm. They've got a succession of jobs, sometimes multiple at one time. And I think that is, a, that is a unique idea. I was, even as much as I didn't feel super encouraged to go to college, I did very much feel pressure to develop a career, to, a vocation. Right where you could move up through some kind of a notional ladder mm-hmm. through the years. And I think one of the things that's difficult for people like us, people who are older than millennials, one of the things that's difficult for us to accept is that it is a different world and it always has been a different world for these people. They, they, have, not, they have not been living in a world where they could expect to better their lives in the same way that people like we thought. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Do you mean mainly I, because of these segments? Of, like, 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 I get a sense for what you're saying, and I agree with it, but what are the, what are the differences that, may, that change that? Why is that?
0: Well, think about, okay, so just sort of analogous to this, I don't know if you were like this, but people of my age, um, we grew up with parents and grandparents who had lived through the Depression, in the case of somebody like, you know, my grandparents, my, my grandmother lost a sibling to the flu pandemic. Um, and then she and my grandfather um, got married um, right as the depression was really getting bad. So how's that different from any other time? Well, sort of like I was saying with millennials, they've never been an adult, a working adult at a time when they could expect things to be really good in the same way the boomers and gen x did Mm -hmm. i think that uh to to really abuse a term i think that rewires your pathways my Mm -hmm. grandparents i've talked about my grandparents my grandfather had the same job for 35 years retired with a pension insurance all the things like he, he, he was able to retire on a union job and and then retire to florida okay so they were not uncomfortable as they like to constantly remind the entire family they're on a fixed income, so they, you know, oh yeah, all I got is my pension and my social security and my all of these things. Right. Um, but even then, even into the 1970s, they were still what my family calls string savers. They were still. I've told you, my grandfather gave me a tutorial on how to never use more than six pieces of toilet paper. My my, uh, he was obsessed with paper products. He was he was constantly <laughs> haranguing my grandmother to stop using so many paper trucks paper towels, reminding him that uh, his his friend, John Klump, would use a paper towel uh, for his napkin at lunch, then fold it up and put it under his placemat. Did they need to be that penurious Mm -mm. to be that conservative? They did not. Mm -hmm. But that's the adult life that they arrived into in the 30s required that. And if you've been through that, if you've seen the kid across the street die from rubella or whatever if you've seen like all these people put out of their house you don't want to go there and i think that is whether or not we think that is a good habit or a good way to live there's probably you know worse ways to live but regardless that that's how they had got their pathways had been um basically formed around living in the depression and they never they never went away so I think that's an important difference here. If, you, if you're somebody who, you know, so you're, you're, you're a baby, you're a toddler, you're a kid, you know, you're in high school. Well, at the time when you're pushed out into the world and, and, there's, and it's very different from the life that your parents or grandparents had or the expectations are so different. I, do th- I mean, I think it's not reasonable for us to constantly be saying, well, you buy too much avocado toast and that's why you can't afford a house. No, they can't afford a house because all the houses have been bought up with people who have tons of money and good credit. And all it's, there's all of these things that are just not available to people of that age. Some of them can, sure. If you're like Jared Kushner, you can probably, you can get into any school you want as long as your dad gives some money. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. It has not been that way for something like 15 years now. And so, you know, when you see somebody who's, it's, it's, it's so... Um, I don't know, I think it's so cynical to look at somebody who's 30 or 35 and go, wow, I was so much further along in life than you. <laughs> it's, a re- it's really a shame that you never got it together right. in the way that I did. But like, wow, what about the privilege of like, in my case, getting to go to college for $5,000 a year? Right. Good, good I mean, that, you're gonna pay that in a month now. It's, it's bananas. And then you gotta pay it back. So people come out of school, they have all this debt, and they move into an economy where of course all the unions have been busted and more and more there's like gig, gig economies. And now when I, get, when I order Instacart, it's somebody that's got an Uber sticker on their car. They got a Lyft sticker on their car. They're doing, they're doing all of the things. So I, I guess what's different? Well, it's different that, I think I would turn that around and say, well, what's different is why can't each generation look at another generation and see something besides uh, the, the, the best day they've ever had as a comparison? We all have terrible days. We all have bad months. Some of us have terrible years or decades. But it's 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 so, so cynical to look at other people and compare their worst day to your best day. And, you know, for a lot of folks, that's that's been the worst day for a while. So, yeah, it's a permanently burnt-out generation right now, and I don't think that's going to change very soon. In that case, that's not out of an abundance of ambition for wanting to climb the ladder. It's about staying alive, Um And so and then, you know, another point that she makes in this is a little bit rambly, but, you know, mainly this is just a super recommendation. But, you know, the thing she talks about is like, you know, and something I've said, something we've said is that the pandemic has not actually changed or created that many new differences. In a lot of ways, it's mainly accelerating and amplifying things that have been happening for, for 10 to 50 years. Right. The idea of remote work, telework, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the idea of-
1: Yeah, the acceleration um, is the right word for that. Because I mean, I remember when it was like pulling teeth to get the ability to work from home for an afternoon. And the-, the
0: Wait, Where you need to be heads down and uninterrupted for a while.
1: Yeah, and just being able to, like I remember there was a, a point in time where when I had my side business where I, or, I'm sorry, Merlin, a side hustle,
0: Oh, your side hustle my side hustle, time.
1: where I was building computers for people and selling them to people. So I was building these really, really great workhorse machines and servers and gaming machines back in the day. And the machine that I had at work was significantly, like, honestly speaking, you can't really buy a slow computer these days. You can buy ones that are very fast, and you can buy ones that are pretty fast. You can't. Yes. But back <clears throat> in that time, And I'm talking about, you know, when like Pentiums were a thing, like I had a Pentium Um, at home and at work, I had like a 386. The difference between those two, or maybe it was a 486. The difference between those two machines was night and day. And, and the kind of work that I was doing was very heavily CPU dependent. I would spend an extra two hours a day, like waiting for stuff to finish rendering or whatever. And like, I could get, I could save two hours a day if I was able to work from home. And my boss says it wasn't, it was not even, like, don't even it, suggest it, it, it that. It seems suspicious to even ask. <laughs> That's right. It's very <laughs> suspicious to ask. Isn't that crazy, though? You know?
0: It, it is. Um, one, of my, um, one of my, you know, you know I, love, uh, I love words and I love distinctions, and uh, I'm going to keep saying this over and over. It, it's been important to me for many years to distinguish work versus office and house versus home. So, like, like office and house are locations, like on a grid. Um, home and work are are much broader things that are not fixed to a building. You're describing a world in which work equals equals office and office equals work. You have to go to the office because that's where we can see you work, right, right? And the natural assumption in some ways is like how how do we manage you if you're not at office? Um the implicit thing there is also, well, let's let's turn that around. When you're at office, you only do work. Like you get you get your coffee break, you get your lunch break. But I don't want to see you around here shucking and jiving too much. If I notice that too much, you're abusing work and office. Okay, so so I think you and I um, have made our peace with those kinds of distinctions for a while because we we both have done weird jobs. That, right like for, for my generation, I've had my job has been weird. <clears throat> it's been difficult to describe what I do to people who aren't other people that do what I do. This is part of the, I don't know, the technicalization of careers, you know, as, again, I'm I'm repeating a lot of my greatest hits, but, you know, when I came out of college in 1990, you know, um, we studied liberal arts because we went to liberal arts school, Mm -hmm. you know, but we found ourselves within a very short period of time getting into jobs that did not exist when we were in college, mm-hmm. let alone when we were born, which is pretty weird compared to the Richard Scary world again of our parents or grandparents. Well, let's let's pause a moment, step into this alcove. Well, if you grew up in a Richard Scary world, and there's somebody out there who goes, "Oh, I want to go home to work because my computer's faster." <laughs> that sounds insane. Right, it
1: really does.
0: You can How could you work? How could you work at house? Work as office? Right. So the, the, I, I do think that's an important distinction what I say that here because maybe that's something you and I can understand better than the, the millennial burnout. Like we understand, oh man, you know, parents just don't understand. Like w- the thing, the world that we're living in is different and and you're, you're real simple. I remember when I was trying to get a job after the dot-com blew up and it used to be so frustrating to me trying to use this terrible website for the state of California to, to like find jobs or to like, you know, get unemployment. It was all so difficult. And then you have to turn in a literal sheet of paper that shows the jobs you tried to get. Somebody, they printed out a Microsoft Word table that you would then fill in with, I went to this place and found out if I could be a bottle cap inspector. There's all kinds of things about that that were just nuts. I mean, especially today where like, maybe not today, today, but like there are places where you go in and you try and sell yourself to a, a company or a team and then they figure out what job based on how good you are at what you do. Applying for a job, that's a pretty old idea yeah. already mm-hmm. in my in my experience. So I'm just trying to help us have a little more empathy on, on that front. Now further to that point, and she I think she does a real good job saying this. Um, so we, we you take like our, our uh, like my mom, my dad, all those kinds of folks. Well, you know, my my dad was a sporting goods buyer for a small chain of uh, you know Cincinnati department stores. He could do that at home,
1: right? No, he, he, was, I mean, he was he was probably he could, had a, a like a I'm imagining a briefcase and him getting in the car and driving somewhere. You know, oh and yeah. Like meeting yeah, oh yeah, and he would people. use the and,
0: ashtray I made him at church, right? Right. Yeah. And and uh, but but maybe slightly different from that and a little bit more of a hint of the future is my mom who eventually became a real estate agent. Well, that's that's a really weird job because yeah, you go to office, but then you also you spend a lot of time in your car. You go, go on, on Wednesdays, you go on tours, see all the new newly listed homes, and then you have to do all this sort of lead management stuff of new clients, and then driving them around to look at houses, depending on whether you're primarily buying or selling. But anyhow, you see, you see what I'm saying there? Um, but the point that, uh, this is what we're talking here about, Anne Helen Peterson, I mean, one of the points she makes is, um, to this acceleration point, well, if you've ever wondered about the distinctions between your work life and your home life, and your office life versus your house life, well, guess what? Welcome to March of 2020. Those All of those barriers have fallen completely down, mostly, mostly. Um, and, And then as of spring, and especially now, you know what? It's also a third thing. It's school. So your house, which used to be for home, most people, your house is now for home life. It is for office life. And let's just say, it might be, if you're fortunate enough to have a partner, um, it could be office or work times two or more. If you've got housemates, if you're like a young person with three housemates, you're all trying to do this work. And then on top of it all, if you have kids, your house for home, now for work, is now also for school. And we've—I um, think I've talked about this here, but there's been all these amazing, just so depressing articles about what you hear over your kids' Zoom call. Mm. Like you hear so many voices, so much TV, people arguing with each other, people walking around in their underwear, not knowing that they're, you know, on on camera and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, or worse. I, I just such a collapse. And I think we're still digesting. I mean, we feel the sadness and the pain and the hurt of all of that, but I think we're still digesting, like what that really means. That's nuts. You can't really leave your house, which is for home and for work and for school. It's, it's. I mean, that's where you are now. Like I've I mentioned this before, but a woman that my wife works with, who's a physician, one day they were doing a Zoom call and she turned her laptop around to show her like three different kids at three different computers at the same table where she was at. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> did my grandfather do that? Did my grandfather ever have him? And uh, my grandmother, who actually made more money than him, um, and and my mom, like all around the same table. Oh my God, they, they would have killed each other. So it's going to be a while before we really process what that change m- meant, means, mm-hmm. and will mean. And that's just, that's just one example. So anyway, we're running a little long here. I, I wanted to just commend you to this, um, to this podcast. I think it's a very good podcast. It's a good episode of this podcast. And I do think, I think there's a reason that we're each attracted to different kinds of, so to make it political for a minute. Like, I've really tried to limit my diet of cable news recently because it wasn't helping me. But if I'm going to watch cable news, the only reason I'm going to turn Fox on is because I know something bananas is happening mm-hmm. or because they're the only network covering some ding-a-ling event. Um, I would much rather feed my, my, my very hungry confirmation bias by looking at things, you know, th- that, I, that I tend to agree with um and I guess I guess I just how can I put this? I guess I just feel like part of that confirmation bias for me, I have to be honest, the way that I deal with the crazy pills is it's it's so gratifying to me when I find somebody who says the thing that I think not enough other people are saying. Whether that's well, I don't want to get into it, but there's lots of things where I'm like, am I the only person who sees this? Am I am I cursed? to be the Sisyphean Cassandra, who's apparently the only person in America that thinks that like we're not ready to, like quote unquote, restart the economy in full, in toto, across the entire goddamn United States of America, 300 million people, hey, schools are open. what that mean? That's crazy. <laughs> so when somebody does say, yeah, you know, that's not crazy. And like, so first you reach my heart and then you reach my head. You make me feel less crazy pills by saying the kinds of things that in this case, Anne Helen Peterson is saying. But then you know you also get you you you, uh, you help my mind by articulating why that is, so I do think this goes further than just being you know uh, grandpa uncle confirmation bias. I think it's just also a way of saying like you know when you find somebody you know there's so many people not so many wish there were more but there's a handful of people writing today that I just really feel like I understand the zeitgeist. Alexander Petri, uh, Will Summer. David J. Roth, like there's a bunch of people, David L. Roth, I guess. No, David Lee Roth, that's the singer. The other David <laughs> Roth, sorry. Um, but no, these people who like really understand this moment in a way that's not just, oh, orange Cheeto is bad, but that they understand some context for what's different now. So if like me, I hope you're not like me in so many ways, but if you do feel like you've been taking crazy pills, this is a really good podcast to listen to. But so, so, so come for the confirmation bias, but stay for the help. And here's some of the help throughout the rest of this um, wonderful episode. And boy, this is, Dan, so much of this is very back to work, which yeah. is like, what is the life that you would prefer to have in some ways? Not that you get to like design your whole life, you know, unless you're some kind of a new age nut, you don't get to design your reality, by the way, the Nexium. The Seduced Mm. Nexium documentary, very Mm -hmm. good. Don't Mm -hmm. watch the other one. HBO HBO One's terrible.
1: I watched the whole HBO One, and I'm I'm in I think episode two of the uh, Seduced, and it's you know let me just let me just share the difference that I find between the two is the first one, the HBO One is told. More like what I would call reality TV. It's kind of like The Bachelor. It kind of shows the people uh, talking and reacting to things and driving in their cars and looking around and calling each Mm -hmm. other and reacting to events. And the second one, Seduced, is showing, uh, I would say it is formed. It's a through
0: line. You start with India. You start with Right. And it's, it just and feels it's kind like of a through the lens. You can tell a whole story, but you have to start with the specificity of what this one person went through for seven years. Right. And that gives you all kinds of runway to talk about all these different things. That filmmaker guy comes off real different in one than the other. Yes. But, um, but they, they do remark at one point, one of the cult, quote unquote, cult experts. Mm-hmm. Um, says that you know this is really a temple of New Age thinking. In some ways, is that you create your own reality, right? You look at something like the you know the um, the Secret and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so I'm not saying that you get to manifest the life that you want, but but at the same time, um, could there be a better time to start rethinking some of these temple issues in our own life? Given that there is so much disruption, and like I said on Twitter the other day, in my fawning. Uh, you know, recommendation for this. This is something that Roderick and I've been talking about for months and I, we're far from the only people, but is this maybe a good time to think a little bit about how you would want to live differently? You have to live differently. You yes. have lived differently for over six months. And again, I'm not saying, you know, you get to like make your own coloring book about your bright, beautiful future, but like, what are you willing to tolerate from now on? Like, what do what you, what are you, how much are you willing to let other people's ideas of who you should be form who you are? I think that's, even if you can't do that every minute of the day, it's, it's so vitally important that you give yourself permission to think that and that you not, not have to always, everybody gets busy. Everybody does stuff that's, you know, that's life. That's adulthood. It sucks. But that doesn't mean you have to abandon hope. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to capitulate to the demands of everybody else in your life because you're so beaten down. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to how to operationalize this as as you like to say a functional component. Mm. I encourage you to listen to the show. I encourage you to think about that, and I encourage you to think about how many people outside of your world are allowed to define who you are, how you feel, what you do, and how you evaluate how well it's going. I think this is a very good time to think about that. This window is not going to be open forever, God willing. The future's gonna look different. The future's always gonna look different. Again, uh, acceleration, amplification, all things that we already know. But um give yourself a break. Give other people a break, maybe. You know, let's let's try to go a little bit easier. Let's pump the brakes, take about 20% off there, Squirrely Dan. Let's let's bring it down. Oh, I'm gonna call you Squirrely Dan. That's a good name. Squirrely
1: Dan. Okay.
0: Squirrely Dan from Letterkenny, but I'm gonna call you Squirrely Dan. That's what I appreciate about you. Okay. That's really it. Um Go check this out. Podcasts are good. Music is good. Um, and don't give up. Don't give up. That's my thought.
1: I think that's an important takeaway. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing the Buddha taught us is that mm-hmm. everything is impermanent. This is temporary. Mm-hmm. Even things that don't feel temporary are temporary. Yeah. The further you zoom the more temporary they become.
0: And it's it's the illusory nature of life that everything, part of it again, a kind of bias or a kind of um, psychological phenomenon, is that we're always the same, and we're dealing with a world that changes. And a Heraclitian would say, well, no, you never step into the same river twice. You're constantly changing. Not just your cells, but like you're you're constantly If you're not constantly changing, you pr- you probably need to be. Because, you know, and so what happens? The, I think, I mean, I'm not the most ardent or brilliant Buddhist, but like, I think part of the, the Dukkha problem is that because we are in a place where we're not overly uncomfortable, we start to think that that's normal. And then when we're disrupted in that way, you know, they basically, they've taken away our stuffy. And now, and now <laughs> we're sad and we have to adapt and we have to, we have to you know, crawl, you know, grudgingly, toward a change that will let us get back to feeling the way that we used to feel. That's, that's too much to cover in the two minutes we have left. But, but I, do think it's, I do think it's valuable. I don't know. It's valuable to take your life seriously, but not too seriously. Mm-hmm. To, to, to have the, as you say, um, I don't know, distractions or the diversions, mm-hmm. but something, you need to find the things that are going to help you course correct through a world that really does not care about you. And a lot of the people who do claim to care about you are emotional terrorists, and they—they are, they are people. They uh, can be very abusive. They can be very unkind, and—and uh, and I think a lot of people would like to try and make themselves feel a little bit better about who they are for 30 seconds by trying to make you feel a little bit worse about who you are. It is not—it is not necessarily privileged. It is not necessarily uh, narcissistic. No, I think it's a valuable life skill to be able to hear the things that the world is telling you and then decide for yourself what that's going to change about you. I'm getting very philosophical now, but that's the kind of mood that I'm in. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If we live to 537 tonight, my kid's going to be 13. Everything goes by real, real fast. And happy belated birthday to you too. Oh, thank you. It all goes by real, real fast. And um, it's just, people can be so terrible. They can be so great. Um, Take care of yourself. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, let's
1: button this up. All right, let's button it up. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.